0: They gonna let me for my ambition.
1: ambition. Shout out to brother in the world. This is Sound from Club Ambition, the weekly host of the Club Ambition podcast, a.k.a. Cap. Welcome to episode 99. One away from a whole century worth of podcasts. Not in years, century. but what, what else do you call a 100? You know, 10, 10, 10 tons? What's a ton? No, a, a ton That's is... a thousand. All right, yeah, so let's say t- 10% of a ton. That Matt's is wrong. A good number. And we got our brother, my brother, Marlo, <laughs> you know. already. Damn, what, what happened? Why are you You coughing? know I'm always holding that shit. <laughs> coughing right away. Um, But yeah, man, we are here. Today we're going to have a special guest from the city. Stop on by and update us with the proper updates with PBD Fest that's happening in a couple weeks. So you can fast forward, look through the timestamps in the description or in the comments if you guys want to do that. Feel free to. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to check out the audio platforms such as apple podcast spotify where you can listen not just watch and if you're listening to us on audio platforms watches on youtube and also on spotify we have the video available on there as well for cap every single week new week new news right away we're gonna start off talking about some rhode island stuff and then we're gonna get into the cultural news like we do every single week also make sure to check out our spanish podcast el poca that drops Every Saturday as well with my father and special guests here and there. Let's get started right away. Rhode Island news. So over the weekend, there seemed to be what we thought was a prison riot at the Cranston ACI. It was packed. You saw literally, it seemed like definitely dozens of officers, SWAT team in full force jam-packing the ACI, the prison here in Cranston and Rhode Island, but damn near visually you could say like it looked like hundreds because it looked crazy it looked like it was like what the hell like you would have thought it had to be like a prison riot right yeah but the actual update here um says supposedly that on friday evening there was an incident at the maximum security that required a lockdown for the safety of the staff and inmates alike department staff responded immediately they were assisted with emergency personnel a fight between two inmates prompted a response from officers, which resulted in a correctional officer suffering minor, uh, minor injuries. The CO was treated on site before seeking treatment off site and being released. Several dozen inmates refused to return to the secure yard to the inside of the maximum security facility. COs de escalated the situation by engaging with the inmates who refused to return. In a pragmatic, intentional matter, correctional officers accounted for each inmate in a secure yard at the voluntary return for the insights of maximum security without any further incident. The matter remains under investigation. Right. But visually, you have it, you know, where just by looking at it, we're going to play on the TV screen. You guys can see that even though this is what they're reporting, this is the supposed investigation. I might have to call cap. I don't know. Why would they want to cover it up? I have no idea. But when you look at it from the outside in, like a regular, you know, individual like we are over here, it looks to be something way more severe. You know, the guys in the group chat we have, we were talking about a prison riot. You know, it was like easily to ensue. You can you can look at this and be like, this has to be like a prison riot. You know, I am not familiar with any recent prison riots in Rhode Island history. You know, so maybe that could have been a thing. They wanted to not taint the state's history. But you can literally look at it here. And I guess we can put audio. Let me connect to the roadcaster. But for the most part, just visually, you guys have to just check it out. Look at this. Now, does that look like two, uh, you know, two inmates fighting? That's cat, bro. That does not look like just two inmates fighting to me. That
0: was, that was definitely a fucking riot.
1: That looks like riot gear. That looks like they're prepping for a damn near the world to end. Insanity. This was at the maximum security, you know, prison at the ACI in Cranston, Rhode Island. And yeah, it was going viral. People were scared, you know, like, what's going on? Is it a prison riot? Are prisoners on the loose? I hope that they're just not trying to cover up for something bigger, because why would you want to cover it up? Like, why Why would it be the case? You know, I feel like citizens, especially that live nearby the ACI, deserve that transparency as Rhode Islanders, you know, residents of Rhode Island. We need yeah. to know what the fuck is going on here. And if you live near the ACI, why? Exactly. Especially if you have family that's actually prisoners inside of the ACI, because prisons are known for being very corrupt, hiding things, mm-hmm. and... There's just a very, very weird, you know, sort of, like, disconnection between what's actually going inside the prison and what people outside the prison are being informed upon, especially if you have relatives there. So, hopefully, this situation is not as sticky as it can be because I definitely would report it on here and try to expose it to the best of my ability because that shit would be horribly fucked up, right? Moving on, though, let's talk about cultural news happening, breaking news as of today. Eminem! is blocking presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy, I always mispronounce his name. Vivek, uh, very popular guy, Vivek Ramaswamy. He is not allowing him to use Lose Yourself as a campaign song. He is literally demanding a seize and assist of the songs or any songs from his actual rights, any Eminem song, that this guy cannot use it. For those who don't know who Vivek is, he's a very popular presidential candidate, always viral. He's Indian. He's a Republican. And Eminem wrote a letter. You know, they reported it today. The letter dated 23rd of August, became public weeks after the 38-year-old performed, literally use yourself, as a part of his presidential campaign at the Iowa State Fair, <laughs> and then it went viral, people, because people love that song. It's one of the best songs of all time. Lose yeah. yourself is one of the best songs of all time, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, so he loves rap. the The man Ramaswamy has always said that he loves rap, and he's always been a fan of Eminem. He said this, you know, when he was a Harvard undergraduate, um, he he the he had a rap name, supposedly going by Davek the vec so he, he wanted to become like an indian rapper Devek, i guess when he was an undergraduate <laughs> at harvard i didn't know this that's crazy. that's news to me um and yeah so this was supposed to be his theme song for his whole campaign lose yourself by eminem he didn't speak with eminem but you know broadcast music inc bmi the people that hold the rights with eminem's music um you know they wrote a letter and they reserve all the rights and remedies and and they said that it would be a breach of the agreement from this day forward, you know, for him to start using that. So, um, yeah, Vivek um, just got on the stage and cut loose to the American people's char again. We have to leave the rapping to the real Slim Shady. So people are you now going just going viral, you know, up in arms about the situation um, because of the fact that it's Eminem and it's Vivek. Ramaswamy. Now, for those who don't know, I don't know if you were in the reaction, I think, that we did to Eminem's last album. But at least for, like, three albums, like, the newer Eminem albums. But not to... Eminem's always been political. Even back then, when he was Slim Shady, he had songs where he was, you know, mocking and making parodies of presidents. And um, I think of George Bush, Trump. He's always had an opinion. But more recently, in his newer albums, he's been straight-up, like, anti-Republican. He really takes a stand. He had a very, like, strong stance during the Black Lives Matter movement. He mm-hmm. stood for it. And he also was very anti-Trump.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I guess that's what the fuck is happening here, where he's like, this guy's a Republican. I don't want him using my music. Or, what's your opinion on this, Maroon? Should rappers... Not allow any politician to use their music, especially if they're running for a political campaign, like running for president, because isn't it easily like, oh, so is Eminem going to vote for him? You know what I'm saying? Because like, mm-hmm. oh, so this guy, the Indian Republican, using you lose yourself, so I guess Eminem is going to vote for him, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't want to, you know, just associate themselves with any politician. Just that way people don't think like it's like a co-sign, okay, I see what you, you mean. know, so should rappers not even yeah. co-sign any sort of politician? You know, it's a tricky situation. What, what do you think? I think... I'm... F- Honestly,
0: bro, if I was Eminem, I would have done the same shit. But that's just because me, myself, I don't fuck with politics in general. Yeah. When it comes to politics, I'm an ignoramus. Like, I don't know shit. Like, I don't give a fuck, even though I should. But I'm Gucci. But yeah, I can see I can see what you're saying. I can see that. It could come off as like, oh, people... Oh, he's co-signing. Like, oh, I, I definitely should have voted for him and shit and, yeah. Motherfucker's never even spoken in life.
1: Easily, yeah. easily. That's that makes think. a lot of sense. I think that's what it was, because like I feel like not even any amount of money. Because I think when Trump was running again, wasn't he offering money to like people to perform, and like they were turning it down. I think so. Remember some like some rappers yeah. were like turning the money down. So no matter what, hip hop is always going to have some sort of ties with the political matters. This time we have Eminem, literally, you know, not trying to. Be involved or co-signed, aligned with this man, Vivek Ramaswamy. I can see some people be mad about this. I personally am not mad. I agree. You know, I don't think that this is this shouldn't even happen because of the fact that you know, especially if Eminem is not for or against it. Now it could come off hypocritical if Eminem, you know, let's let's say Robert um, RFK Jr., Robert F Kennedy Jr., or any Democratic you know, line, let's say Biden, you know, Kamala Harris, I don't know who else from that side, maybe use his music. Then it's like, oh, so he's trying to be, you know, political with it. I don't but, think he will. But as of right now, I don't think he's trying to be political. I can say he's just trying to be neutral, mm-hmm. as everyone kind of should be in this type of situation, especially this new election. I feel like we're going to see as much neutral people than ever before. Like, it's, 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 uh, it's going to be a very, very viral uh, circumstance right now. But, yeah, Vivek, you know, just pick another song, you know, uh, Listen, I know if he genuinely is a fan of Eminem, it must suck for him. Like, fuck, I'm just a fan of you, bro. I'm trying to just play your music. Mm. But what if he's not? What if he's trying to be like a, not race-baiting, but I don't know. It's hip-hop, so it can be race-baiting, but Eminem is white. But maybe trying to be become, you know, marketing strategists. These politicians, at the end of the day, you know, they might have promises. They all are liars. And this motherfucker might be like, yo, let me play uh, some hip- Eminem hip-hop music to, like, get some... People talking, get our podcast talking about him, you know, get mm. certain spectrums talking about him. Maybe. And this even is helping him, to be honest. Now maybe. that I think about it, this might fucking benefit him more now that Eminem is sending a cease and desist and shit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> giving him free promo. But,
0: but let's be honest, if that was the case, he could have, like, I'm not saying Eminem isn't big. I love Eminem. He's one of my favorite rappers. But, like, he could have picked someone well, a little bit like more Drake. relevant, exactly. Imagine
1: a Bad Bunny. Some, some he comes out of to Titi. T- yeah. Imagine Vivek comes out to Bad Bunny. With
0: a bunch of bitches. Titi me
1: pregunto. a bunch of Indian bitches. <laughs> that'd be that'd crazy. Be but then, it might make me want to vote for him. Why? I don't know. Because I feel like that would be, you know what I'm saying? But then Bad Bunny probably wouldn't be, down, wouldn't be down with it. You know, but small things like that in our generation with TikTok culture, if you're walking out to certain music and certain songs, I think it matters more than someone, you know, realizes quick commercial break this episode is brought to you by samuel albert sam albert the real estate agent to see if you guys are in rhode island or in general in the new england area and looking for a realtor that actually cares about real estate actually can help you either buy or sell your dream home or just a family house any type of predicament when it comes to real estate i recommend him I think he's a great person. I've known him for a while. And aside from that, the feedback is extremely positive. Make sure to give him a call at 401-856-9660. Also, you can email Sam at sam at 11, spelled out, 91.com. That's his email. If you're looking for a realtor in Rhode Island, I recommend Sam Albert. He's your go-to guy. Legendary rapper LL Cool J. People are saying that he's calling out Jay-Z. He's talking about rappers acting too cool, like they can't rap anymore, because it's the 50th year of hip-hop is the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. So LL Cool J went viral with this, and people said that he was talking about Jay-Z, dissing Jay-Z. So did LL Cool J diss Jay-Z? Let's hear the statement. all you
2: rappers trying to play Stop so fucking up your legacy. Get on this goddamn stage, man. Oh, oh, nice. A lot of dudes running around hard. Oh, you know, oh, oh, they don't miss me walking on the floor. Come on, man. Get on stage, man. If I can get on stage, you definitely can get on this. <laughs> I wasn't going to do Really <laughs> doing that? Why you don't
1: need to do that? Yes, I do. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yo, yeah. your Cool is crazy I respect it though, but my thing is this, right? That shirt is crazy The shirt, first of all, put the camera <laughs> on me Because I got to talk to LL Cool J because he's watching LL Cool J, nonetheless, for starters We got to get El Cool J a stylist Or just have him wear the old school clothes Someone remind him that the, the clothes that he wore growing up And the, when he first came out he can still wear it now, and it would be considered throwback vibes. That fishnet long-sleeve shit is not it. That's I don't know what the hell that is. I don't know what is he trying to do. And he's coming off very, like, you know, tough, and I love it. You can't with that shirt, though. He's saying some a lot of tough energy vibes. I respect it, but... I lose touch with the shirt. Yeah, that's I'm looking like, at the shirt, the flashy fishnets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the that's fuck like, is going on? That's
0: like trying to be taken serious while you're sitting down, but your feet are swinging. You know nah, what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: yeah. That shit ain't not it. It's the same energy. You can't do that shit. That shit ain't it. That shit ain't it. That's Oh, my God. Listen. But, um, LL, are you talking to Jay-Z? I think what people... He never said Jay-Z's name, but I think, obviously, Jay-Z is not rapping right now. He's busy doing billionaire shit. He's trying to open a casino in New York. He has his own museum now in New York, whole museum exhibit. And aside from the museum exhibit this year, 50 Cent, not 50 Cent, um, Jay-Z hasn't really done nothing for the 50th of the year anniversary of hip hop. So people may be, be considering that. But aside from that, remember you saw how he did the voice. He was like, oh. Maybe the voice was oh. People maybe he's trying to mimic Jay-Z. I do think that this could be just the internet being out of bounds. Jay-Z and LLKJ have had their past beef, though. They've had their past beef. They've had shade remarks back and forth. But LLKJ is someone that I believe represents hip-hop to the fullest extent. I, I wouldn't think that he would disrespect any rapper. So that's why I think for him to say this at all... You know, comes off a bit odd because he's the type of guy to he came at academics. He had a whole beef with academics when academics was coming at the old school rappers and saying that the old school rappers is washed up, et cetera, et cetera. He 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 came at academics. He fucking bodied him, and he had really good points, valid points, I would say. You know, and I'm an act fan, but he Cool said the proper things. So for him to say this about you know any rappers at all, you know, acting too good to rap, I don't know there's some disconnect where I respect it where it's like, yeah, come out and rap more. I, I want all the rappers to rap, right? Fucking every rapper that's doing podcast, Podcast. Joe Budden, I wish you pod- Joe Budden came back and did a freestyle or something, but not everyone is LL Cool J. Like LL Cool J is a legendary stature. He's able to still be relevant to this day. That's not the case for every single rapper, you know? And also if he's coming at Jay-Z I'll tell you this much, Jay-Z dropped God did and won Grammy is still winning Grammys. He is still relevant without necessarily needing to rap and drop albums. You know? So I don't know what I don't know what it is going on. I feel like this is kind of weird. But I definitely want to highlight it because it was viral. I'm like, what the fuck? But I don't know. Lokouja's not dropping new songs. Lokuj's not dropping new albums. Maybe he's talking about live performances. Jay Z hasn't had a live performance in a while. But what the fuck is, what is what is going on here? Is it a slow news day? Or maybe because <clears throat> because of the prior actual beef between them, is it some shade at Jay-Z? I don't know. But it, I found that fucking kind of like, what the fuck is going on?
0: At the same time, I guess it just goes to show that Jay-Z doesn't have to dabble in that fucking world anymore.
1: So, you know. I'd rather him almost not sometimes. Like, I get it. I I I'll, I, I don't mind either way. Because if you think about it, yeah. if, if Jay-Z was still maybe rapping all the time, maybe we wouldn't be seeing the shit he's doing. Maybe he wouldn't be able to help Meek Mill get out of jail, help Lil Wayne get out of his contract, help Lil Uzi, I believe, with his management situation. He's doing a lot of shit behind the scenes that you many can argue is more impactful, especially as of recent times, mm-hmm. than an LL Cool J without needing to rap. Mm-hmm. So I hope it's not coming at Jay-Z. I think that would be very hypocritical of LL, but, yeah, that that was very viral. Let's talk about this situation. Unfortunate news that happened over the weekend. There was a white shooter that went inside of a Dollar General and literally killed three black people. Literally killed three black people intentionally. There's an alleged manifesto, multiple, I'm hearing, letters that this man wrote before passing away, and they still haven't been released to the public yet. His name is 21-year-old Ryan Christopher Palmiter, a piece-of-shit scumbag. He killed two men and one woman before he killed himself. The victims were 52-year-old Angela Michelle Carr, 19-year-old Annault Joseph A.J. Laguerre Laguerre Jr., and 29-year-old Gerald Deshaun Gallion. Right away, obviously, these were black people. You didn't even have to look at these people. The names were black. This is like like traditional. You could just tell these names were black. Obviously, it's in Jacksonville, towards the south. But it goes to show you, right, that you can just one day be shopping at a Dollar General, minding your business, and because of the fact that your skin is of a darker complexion, someone can just walk in and randomly shoot your fucking head off. Like, this is, this is reality, 2023, August, in America, this is a reality of being an American today, and that's why you see viral clips, there was one that went viral the weekend in TikTok of people in Iceland, <clears throat> people in Iceland being interviewed, you know, because Iceland's, the society's always been, I, I love Iceland, brother, the way that the, they are, the, their whole, everything, their whole system, and they were talking to the people in Iceland, like, how do you think, of, what do you, what's the first words that come to mind when you think about America? shootings everyone kept saying shootings school shootings shootings shooters shootings mass killings that's the perception of america from the outside in and guess what from the inside in from the inside out it's the same shit from the inside this is what's that's a reality you know now um we'll talk about this as well the sheriff said that the shooter's manifesto was called the diary of a madman So God, only Lord knows what's inside of this this diary manifesto. This man must have been, as, as if this is not as evil as possible, maybe even more evil. This man might have been plotting to kill more people. This is what, you know, we don't know what it is. When it comes to manifestos, the possibilities are endless. Authorities believe the shooter went to HBCU, Howard University, to change clothes. He had an opportunity to do violence. He did not. Oh, so they believe that he stopped by an HBCU. Oh, my God. Prior to the shooting. Imagine, God forbid, imagine he would have shot at the college at the HBCU. Oh, my God. There was no red flag that could have come up. The guns were 100% legal, the sheriff said. Um, There was nothing that we could have done to stop him from owning a firearm. There were no red flags. I fall in line where I do think both sides of this, right? And I want to get Marlon's take as well. People always say, there's always a big argument when it comes to these shootings. Do we blame the guns or do we blame the people? I think you can blame both. I think it's v- extremely too easy to get a gun in this country, especially in states like my own. In Rhode Island, it's easier to get a gun than to get a driver's license. Incredibly easy. People cheat on the uh, the 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 gun permit ex- exam all the time because when you go to take it, you see everyone there cheating. Everyone there is just cheating. It's like a, it's like a free for all. There's no sense of organization. There's no sense of like, um, are you gonna check if I'm you know okay up there or not? Or like, wh- there's no sense of that. So to get a gun permit in, in Rhode Island is extremely too easy. I'm gonna do a video on that hopefully soon with the actual facility that provides the gun permit. That way people actually see with the vlog actual POV what the hell I'm talking about. Aside from that, guns. Aren't the only issue. Because people have guns. You could be a licensed gun owner like myself, etc. But. Not do nothing bad with it. You can have a gun. You know, I do believe in that. Was it the 5th amendment? They say the 5th, uh, whatever it is. That I do believe in the right to bear arms. I do believe in that. Um, now, do I love it? Do I love the idea of everyone having a gun? I don't necessarily love it. But I am all for legal gun owning. But. Not everyone should own a gun. So, this man, like the sheriff said, shouldn't have had to own a gun. You know, he can't control that, though, in that case, right? You couldn't control that this man had problems in the mind and was a maniac, you know. Looks may be deceiving. So, it's not solely about the gun. I do think it's a bit of both. What do you think, more
0: No, I definitely I definitely, agree with you. It definitely has to do uh, with both things. Um... It definitely should be more difficult to be able to get a gun. hundred percent. There should be a lot of testing on the person who's gonna get something before they're even allowed to take the test. Um Second of all, when it comes down to like people like this, man, a lot of the times I hate that whole like, oh my god, like you know, it might have been a mental illness, this, this and that, blah, blah, blah. If you have the balls enough to go somewhere to make the decision to go shoot other people that have done nothing to you, but then you don't have the balls to stay alive and take punishment for it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's you crazy. off yourself, you a bitch.
1: That's crazy.
0: You you a whole ass bitch.
1: I forgot. I didn't even know that until now when I read it again. Like, you
0: know what I'm saying? I thought the cops like, killed him. Like, what the fuck's the whole purpose of your whole life? Oh, I- I'm going to just go kill three people and then I'm going to off myself. What sense does that fucking make? If you have the balls to go through all of that shit, but then you don't have the balls to fucking go through the punishment, not only that, you white motherfucker, you probably was just going to get a slap in the fucking wrist in a couple years. Yeah. Let's be honest, because the fucking system is so unfair. But but I don't know. I don't know. At least he offed himself, I guess, because I know the cops weren't going to fucking do it unless he shot at the cops.
1: Yeah. No, you listen, know what I'm saying? And so if, and I don't if, fucking know. And if the manifesto was as bad as the sheriff said, thank God that this man is dead. And who gives a fuck about the manifesto
0: now? If he's if he's gone, yeah. What the fuck's the whole purpose? Diary of, of that a Madman. Yeah, okay. Oh my God! Like now you get the attention on you. Who gives That's a, a fuck now? You know what I'm saying? Point. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah. Like you're already off to yourself, so who gives a fuck now?
1: It's now a, like make marketing. it up to
0: the fucking family of of the people who uh, you know the family that were lost. Yeah. Make it up to them. What are you gonna do with that? Releasing all that shit.
1: That's true. Because imagine being um, you know, one of the individuals, one of these, especially the nineteen-year-old individual's mother, and like, oh, the diary of a madman, and like this whole personification. Because a lot of times we we talked about it before. we like these type of people want to become famous. You know this these type of. Hold on, let me, look at look this look ugly, at this ugly bro. ass fucking. My God, God bless man. This this is these are these are the worst. And it's kind crazy. Of humans you look at him. He, he doesn't. He
0: don't look tap, bro. Listen, let's be honest. He looks like he, he looks, looks just like he like might like be a, the type of to be bullied. Yeah. Well, yeah, he,
1: but he maybe looks, he, looks but he looks regular. He, he looks, looks like regular. an average. Like average male in America, average white male in America, especially younger. Right. Because he was, what, 21. So he does look of that where you see like the, the, f- the features, you know, you could kind of tell. But when you now you find out what the fuck he did. He looks like a piece of shit to me now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But putting shit aside is like, yeah, he just, like... Bro. It's pretty insane. At this point, man,
0: I think that most fucking stores should have a security guard. With a gun. Yeah, with a gun. Let's like be a gun honest. Gun,
1: yeah. Let's Listen, be honest. I agree with or, that.
0: Or if you have, like like, a cash register, like, something like that, like, one of the requirements in a situation that this, this, and that could fucking happen, are you willing and have the balls to take a gun... And, you know, try to stop, you know what I'm saying?
1: And the thing is with this one, like, the guy was shooting outside, too, before he walked in.
0: Dollar General, bro.
1: That shit fucks me up, man.
0: So it's like, you can tell, he didn't have the balls to go to, like, to go do some big shit.
1: Yeah, yeah no. you know. You know what I'm saying? And that's why, when, like, when I be telling people, like, oh, be safe, be safe, like, that should be real. Hundred percent, bro. You'll be safe, I, bro. What? Are, I, honestly, I,
0: this is that's one of the reasons I don't like going to big crowded places, man. That's why I've I've never gone to like PVD Fest, especially after that shooting shit that mm-hmm. happened. I yeah, know it was whatever. I, I don't go to places like that, bro, because I don't I don't trust it. I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. I be at places. I be going to Walmart and shit like that, and I see some shady motherfucker looking, bro. I immediately get the fuck away from there. I don't blame you. Or, like, it, I'll try to get on some quick shit or stay around like the, Because I don't I don't trust these motherfuckers, man. I don't blame you, man. I, real talk,
1: bro. I'm being dead ass. It's, just, it's, it's, it's real out here, man. Especially not with a kid. Like, I'd be looking at bro. this shit. I'd be fucking... Real talk, bro. I'd be I don't, fucking I don't, scared.
0: If, if I was on some, like, like, you know, concealed carry shit, don't give a fuck. But you can't do that shit out here. No, you can't, but.
1: and especially with a guy like that, I think he had, like, a whole, like, uh, automatic, like, rifle type of situation. It's like, a guy comes up to you with that, a uh, pistol ain't gonna do shit to that. So it's like, it's a weird, man. God bless America. Moving on, speaking of America, the Olympic track star, Noah Lyles, very accoladed, you know, a real-deal athlete. Has gone viral for his comments about basketball in the NBA in America. Wait, who is he? So he was a track star because right now it's okay, like the okay. Olympic. So, so, um... so the track
0: star speaking about uh, basketball?
1: Yeah, track star okay. speaking about basketball. Okay. Already red flags. Mm. But it's, uh, so it's not the actual Olympics right now, but I think it's, like, a lot of the prelims and a lot of the stuff that leads to, to the Olympics, actual tournaments that these Olympic athletes partake in right now is happening. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, even with basketball, you see, like, the Dominican uh, team, shout out to Cat, Carl Anthony Tom uh, Towns, and, like, countries are playing right now against each other for certain sports. So he went viral for his statement, and we'll listen to the statement right here with this very influxed. Um, almost damn near, champion. in my opinion, annoying as fuck tone. Because he comes off arrogant. He comes off arrogant. But I do see his perspective slightly. But overall, I think that this man is definitely um, of an arrogant nature with just the tone, the way he's fucking talking.
2: World champion of what? <laughs> the United States? You know the thing that hurts me the most is that I have to watch the NBA Finals and they have world champion on their head. World champion of what? <laughs> the United States? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I love the U.S. <laughs> at times. <laughs> but that ain't the world. <laughs> that is not the world. We are the world. We have almost every country out here fighting, thriving, putting on they flag to show that they are represented. There ain't no flags in the NBA. (laughs) World champion of...
1: So, before my opinion, we have Drake saying in a comment on Instagram, on Academics' page, he said, Drake said to this man, he reacted, he said, this is Drake's reaction, he thought this speech was going to be so hard in the mirror the night before, dot, dot, dot. Now the whole league doesn't rate you. Because there's so many NBA players, Kevin Durant, the entire NBA is right now against Noah Lyles. They are completely against his statements. They are clowning him. They are coming at him. And I look at it like this, right? When you're an Olympic athlete, you literally are in a format where you are representing your country and you're facing other countries. Right. That's the that's the That's the that's main, argument. That's the whole thing you're doing, right? To compare to the NBA from his perspective, is not fair because it's a completely different situation. The NBA is literally the national basketball association. It's a national type of situation where you you have Toronto, maybe that's as, as international as it gets, but it's still North America. But for better example, you have Boston versus New York. States and cities are facing each other. You can't compare that to actual countries facing each other. So I get it from that perspective, right? But uh, he comes off very like the United States. What the hell? country like offended by it. I don't think he should be offended because he has to also realize, first of all, it shouldn't make the comparison at all. But if you want to make the comparison, let's have some fun, right? Okay. There are a hundred, I think a hundred and uh twenty. Different, um, there are 120 basketball players from 40 countries and like six continents in the NBA alone. Right now, the NBA, we had NBA player in here, Cole Swider, talk about how the NBA is becoming more international. Mm-hmm. So right now, the NBA is very worldly. The number one player in the NBA right now, the MVP, Nikola Jokic international player not from America mm-hmm. the whole celebration he was dying to go I want to. I just want to go home I want to go home he hated America he, he didn't want to be here to celebrate he didn't want to celebrate with his fucking mm-hmm. team mm-hmm. you know he wanted to fucking go back home he went back home Lu, uh, Luka Doncic the whole the biggest stars in the league Giannis Antetokounmpo the biggest stars in the, from Greece the Greek freak we literally have the Greek freak so there's international stars within the NBA
0: mm-hmm
1: but aside from that, traditionally, the older, like in the 90s and early 2000s, the NBA championships would say world champion, world champion. So I do see that perspective where it's like for them to say world champion, they are not a world league. It is a national league. It is not the World Basketball Association. Right. It is the National Basketball Association. Yeah. So there could be a player right now in China— that just hasn't had the opportunity to play in the NBA, but could be arguably better than a Steph Curry. Maybe, right? Who knows? I'll say this much. The chances are very fucking slim. The chances are very fucking slim. Because you see, there's a perception with America where we send these athletes to China because they're bust. They suck in the NBA, so let's send them to China. So we're assuming that international players suck. But in reality... International players are the biggest players in the league. So there's, like, this weird dichotomy and, like, this hypocrisy. But I'm not for just the full-on clowning of him, even though it's hard not to with his fucking annoying ass. The United States, like, it's like, champion
0: of Champion what? of
1: what? <laughs> like, bro, yeah, that, hold that, up, bro. That,
0: that, that tone is crazy.
1: You're talking crazy, bro. You t- You sound, like, very, like god i'm a nerd myself in certain aspects but you sound like the like the type of nerd no one wants to be like it's like you're, you're on some other shit bro like calm the fuck down right but aside from that the whole league coming at him the nba players i mean he's gonna have to deal with that shit now <laughs> that's gonna be something bro i want to see his response now are you gonna stand by this like what do you want to elaborate you know, I feel like he should have elaborated and just not spoke with that arrogant tone of like, oh, I, I, I like the use America sometimes. And this is not because, first of all, you're a track star. You can't you you're talking from a perspective that is so different. You're in a different sport. You're in a whole different organization. Mm-hmm. You're 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 playing against different countries mm-hmm. like you. How can you compare the NBA? The NBA is a top of the line basketball. In the world, like is you can't argue that it's just a fact. Like, you go across the world, across the country, and every country, <clears throat> and every country, Japan, Australia, everyone wants to be Michael Jordan. Everyone wants to be LeBron. Everyone wants to be Kobe Bryant, because the NBA is is what it is. No one is saying that about any other like traditional like. Bob sledding team or like a skiing team, like no one like no one talks about like these other Olympic sports. You know what I'm saying? That's like very niche. It's very niche. Like the traditional Olympic sports are so niche that you only really speak about them when it comes to Olympic time. When it comes to track stars, etc. No one's talking about a track stars. You know, seasonal actual race in March. <laughs> no one cares like that.
0: I- imagine. Uh... Because he said eh, sometimes, uh, yeah, you're not representing us no more. They might have to strip. Uh, imagine, imagine that. Oh, that'd be crazy, bro.
1: Noah Lyles might be dick riding uh, USA so much they're gonna have to tell him that you can't represent us too much no more. You can't. Yeah, you wear, let's take your jersey away. You can't wear America on your shoulders. But, but
0: I mean, the United States. Yeah, but he's mostly like tight about the NBA saying the world champions. Technically him saying that they would be the world champions because it's uh, against countries and shit like that. So that's
1: the thing. I think that's the perspective that he wanted to that's hit. That's his argument. Like, he, his argument was the league, right? But it came off as fuck the players. So that's why the players are mad because they represent the NBA. So he's just talking about the NBA. Right, he's, he's talking about the players. Like,
0: like, like, he's more important than them.
1: Exactly. As if he's trying to compare himself to these players directly. Mm-hmm. So that's the fucking problem. Like, he's so arrogant the way his yeah. is, is delivery is, yeah. you know, and like, it's like, it's, it's done wrong.
0: Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. Like, you put these NBA players in your position, they're not going to be able to do what you do. I don't know. But you ain't going to be able to do what they do either. You yeah. know what I'm
1: saying? Noah Lyles probably Besides can't... his
0: stamina, that's it, but yeah. I don't know, you know, so like, I don't really know. I don't.
1: Listen, I would love to see Noah Lyles being a fourth quarter type of situation, twenty seconds on the clock. Three down. Three down, down by three, being past the ball, kicked to him by his point guard in the corner of the of the three point line and, and with those split second decisions, what is he gonna do? <laughs> the United States he can't start talking. Yeah. You can't run away. You can't be a track star now. you're running, you're a track star. You can't run away from that circumstance. You know, you know, it's it's different. It's different pressures, different moments. I don't know, man. I don't know. But it's a very... This is a fun... I think it's a fun debate. I've loved seeing the back-and-forth comments online, Drake chiming in. That's like... like it's that fun. shit makes
0: no sense. Yeah, no, it's funny, 100%. But that's like like a soccer player saying that. Imagine you
1: know what I'm that saying? what happened, though?
0: That's like a soccer player saying that. But, like, there's <coughs> the FIFA World Cup. But, like... Fuck they gonna compare it for Man You know what I'm saying Like bro You're a fucking athlete You're doing your shit Keep doing your shit Fuck you hurt for Man Probably not getting paid enough I don't think you saying that Is gonna she- do anything Definitely should go Talk to the people Who run that
1: Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Go speak to the, the actual board members and the actual people leading the Olympics and, you know, and talk to Adam Silver. You know, go talk to Adam Silver. <laughs> Adam Silver. Call out Adam Silver's ass, but don't you're talking about the players, they're going to take it personal, they're going to eat you al- alive now, Noah. Um, but speaking of America, one of the worst things in America, um, not in America, but I would say, <laughs> one of the worst things in hip-hop culture is the ideology That street rappers personify throughout these years where a lot of them have ego issues, a lot of ego issues, and they portray it through their actions, sometimes accidentally. Young and Ace is one of those rappers that, from Florida, very viral, um, for, you know, was he the one? Name
0: Name a song for me.
1: I think he's the one that did the Young and Ace, um, because I need you, and now I wonder oh, okay, the okay, remix. Okay, okay,
0: okay, okay, yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, the yeah, Spinner yeah. Benz.
0: Oh, the Who I Smoke? Who shit? I Smoke, yeah. yeah yep. sh- yep. He was the one that did the. the... That shit's crazy, disrespectful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Young and Ace going viral a couple years ago with the Who I Smoke, Nikki, Who I Smoke. Yeah. You know, literally calling out his ops and stuff, which was a. You know, pretty... It was a classic song. Like, the song in, in Florida, so this, so this day people play it... That
0: shit's ballsy.
1: It's a, but it's a very, like, dumb move. Like, what the fuck? You really are just trying, I guess, show people that you are a really street rapper. You're trying to live your raps. You know, call out your bills. You're, you know, it's a very... I don't I don't like it. I don't like that shit. I think it's... Because it's then in, 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 you're going to have younger people try to emulate that type of shit. And that's the worst thing about it. But don't get me wrong... It's not like I wasn't riding around at least for the first week when that shit came out. wow I smoke. I was, say. I don't know, I would not
0: blast. I was, that I was shit, blasting. You know what I'm saying? People catch you blasting suburbs, that shit. like, oh, that's the type of energy you're on. We, 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 we say we don't have nobody that hates us and shit like that. But oh, they, but, they, there's but there might be. They pop out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? They pop out of nowhere. They might pop our tire. Yes. <laughs> it's just I'm not. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna let you know I'm on that type of energy. But come face to face, I'm gonna knock your ass out. Exactly. You know?
1: But young and ace. Uh, Fulio, the one of the people who people he was kind of dissing on the who I smoke track said that he was a snitch. There was a video that went viral, with Young and Ace, where he was in like an interrogation room and he was talking about something about cooperating or not cooperating when he was younger, very younger. Mm. And he was frustrated, he felt like his ego got checked, his gangster got checked, and he went on live, Instagram live, and he responded to it. But I'm not gonna play the clip because he. He is so much of a, he got caught up in his ego so much as a street rapper trying to prove to people that he is not a snitch, that he literally showed on Instagram live to now millions of people and online and internet, his social security number. Like he literally showed paperwork of him from being, a uh, working, uh, being arrested and stuff, his actual cop paperwork, police paperwork, trying to prove that he didn't snitch. And instead, he ended up snitching uh, on his whole identity and gave to the whole entire world his social security number. If that doesn't show you how far of an issue, you know, these men. How dumb they can fucking be. These men have with their ego, you know, how dumb they can just come off without needing to be. Because they have the world in their hands. They have an audience. They make good music, good melodies. You guys are stars. Say goodbye to your identity. Bro, his social security number. You know how many scammers probably got all that shit already by now? Unfortunately, the internet, once you're accused of being a snitch, you're forever a snitch. Like but You might is not the even snitch, and this, they're going to
0: think you snitched. This is, the, this is my problem with this, too, right? So, you know, you want to consider yourself a street dog and shit like that, but, like... The whole thing about that is, like, who do you have to prove it to? You know what I'm saying? A real thug ain't don't... It, when the moment comes, the moment comes.
1: Real gangsters don't don't, go, don't and that, listen to their life, and, that,
0: and that's when they go and talk, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, like, they ain't going to be out here boasting and shit. Oh, what You're <laughs> questioning me? What? Here's like, here's the bodies I you're killed. You're hurting my feelings now. Like, I... I, I I gotta go clap somebody right now. What's going on? You know what I'm saying? Like it's an ego, bro. It's, it's a questionable, ego.
1: bro. Like lack I, of parenting. I, back ego. in the day, bro, they
0: move silent,
1: bro. Yeah, because they really look up to these like bosses, these like um, Al Capones, like these like fucking but they went mafia on. bosses. But they don't move like them. No, you guys do not move like them at silent, all, silent, bro. At all, like you silent. guys are very loud. You know. To the point that now your social security number's out there, that's crazy. and you're gonna have to suffer because of that. Like you have to deal with the it's that crazy. That's but I go the take that
0: 401k, bro.
1: <laughs> but I saw that I was laughing. I'm like, oh my god, this would happen to like this type of situation. Someone being called out. Like I feel like every month there's like a new rapper that's a new snitch, and then people have to determine is he a snitch or not. Should I listen to his music or not? Should I care about him? Is he cool still or not? Should I work with him or not? And in rappers in the industry, should I collaborate with him or not? Should I give him a beat or not? Should I should I should I follow him or unfollow him? Oh, oh my god! Like what the fuck? Like last little Dirk, like did you unfollow Gunner? Like oh, like it's like it's such a, like a high school type of situation, because my whole thing is like, man, if they snitched or not. It doesn't have to, nothing to do with you directly. They didn't snitch on you, and if they did snitch, then you have to solidify that you want to live and die by that whole code. Like, okay, this is this is really what you care about—the street mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. Then you gotta verify people in your camp ain't really snitching. Oh, guess what? Nine times out of ten, they probably will. Everyone, ev- people snitch, bro. This is like we are gonna act like, come on, we grew like we know in the city out here. It's, it's a known thing. There's niggas out here be snitching. Like, it's a thing. But now, when you tie it to rap culture, you know, now it's like a, like a brand new th- Oh, what? These rappers are not real. Are you surprised? Yeah. Are you surprised? Like, what, what? are you surprised at the, these images that they're selling to, the, to these audience and these kids? Like, they're rapping about this, like, they're gangsters and blah, 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 and fuck all snitches, but then they end up being randomly accused of being a snitch. It's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. It's, it's a, there's an issue. There's a facade in the culture. And we also got to reposition where the fuck we ide- idealize and what the fuck we look up to. I personally don't look up to no fucking rapper. But unfortunately, we have a lot of younger people that do. They want to be a fucking, I want to grow up. And I want to be a Drake. I want to be a Trippie Red. And I want to be, you know, a little Derek. And then when you get to the, the gangster rappers, I want to be a young thug. And oh, young thugs in jail. Oh, so they think that that shit's cool. And they, I want to I be 6 9 I don't know who wanted to be 6 9 but you get the gist. But speaking of gangsters, one of the biggest gangsters in the world um, right here is this man, Trump. Donald Trump, former president of the United States, Donald Trump, was actually arrested. And here's the official mugshot. It went viral. He paid a $200,000 bail. He paid the bond, the bail bond, and he was released right away. He literally well, walked hey, through and out. Of the you, jail. You'd you
0: think, you think he wasn't going to.
1: Yeah. He paid it cash. Trump had to pay it in cash. $200,000 cash, right?
0: That's not an issue for
1: him. And aside from that, ever since his mugshot's been revealed, Trump... How much money he made off of it? Trump dropped T-shirts for his campaign.
0: Let me look yeah. at the camera. This is you, crazy. You know you know who's going to use that mugshot? I should, I'm waiting Who? for it to be in a Supreme shirt.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that'd be crazy. I'm waiting he, for it to be if in if a t I'm not sure. I don't think he has to let it happen. I think with the thing when it comes to mugshot, they might be free. What's
0: That's it called? Public information. Public
1: information. Because think about it. Hasn't mugshots been used in the pressed for something other shit? Like X X the shows mugshot was like everywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can own the rights to your own mugshot. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so because so, mugshots are. The reason a mugshot exists is to see inform how that person, yeah, to inform the public and to see how that person was at the time of the arrest, in case they were to escape or need mm-hmm. to be found again. This is their current stature, yeah. actual state right now, not the ID, but the mugshot. Mm-hmm. How do you look right now? Mm-hmm. So Trump dropped a T-shirt of his mugshot for forty-five dollars. Coincidence? He was the forty-fifth president, right? The money went directly to his campaign donation, right? And the shirt said "Never Surrender." Ironically, you surrendered though, because you have a mugshot, so mm-hmm. it didn't make sense. The shirt says "Never Surrender," a mugshot of Donald Trump. "Never Surrender," Should but you have surrendered. Said, like, never give up, or something. Yeah, it was like what—that was a horrible idea, right? You cop one? No, I didn't buy one. I, Forty-five was too much. I'd rather get like a bootleg one. And I'd, I'd rather buy. If I were to buy one, I'd buy one that just has the mugshot. I don't want no words on it. Like I'll we'll just have the mugshot and I'll probably like do some shit my own to it. I was thinking about buying one and then crossing out with a marker never and just say surrender. Mm. I was thinking about doing that, but I don't know how good it'll look. And plus I don't know if, if these are Gildan. You think Trump is it First of all, is it Trump using Gildan tees? What quality of Trump t-shirt is this Gildan? I don't think it's going to be like Travis Scott level quality. Like, I don't think it's going to be like like Supreme. Like I don't know what blanks he's using. You know, it's $45, though. I'll tell you that much. Someone
0: in the comments will let us know.
1: Might be Haynes. Might be some bullshit.
0: (laughs) You know, God bless. Putting
1: a penny towards that man. So, he raised $7.1 million. If you divide this by $45 a shirt, that is almost 200,000 shirts sold. That is insane. That is insane. Bro, it just goes to show
0: how united these people are ha- behind him.
1: Listen, and that goes to show you how one can easily argue this is just free promotion for Trump. And once he officially 100%. runs again, he's running again already. But once all this happens, and even if he is put behind bars, maybe he gets released again. But I think if he gets arrested, he might not be able to run. I don't know how it works. But right now, you're basically giving the election, in my opinion, to Donald Trump. This is free promotion. I feel like he'd probably win. I can see people easily just vote for him instead of Biden. People are complaining with oh, Biden. For
0: sure.
1: Donald Trump is at this rate going to be just the president again because of, like, this is what's happening. This is literally what's happening. You can just see it's happening before our eyes, right? And I understand it from policy perspectives, etc. but We've never seen a president ever be arrested, actually prosecuted, go to jail properly. So if he actually goes through it and actually gets charged and then goes through all that, I I think he obviously if he's in jail, he can't run for president. I'm assuming if he legally can, that would be insane. Imagine running for president from behind bars. I don't think you can. Don't think about it. Right. You that, can't. That, I ain't gonna lie to you. That low key be hard though. If he, but if he does it for like a month, stays and has to just be in jail for a month and still runs like that, that'll be crazy. He'll still win. Comes
0: out of that shit with fucking tats and shit.
1: But wouldn't he be a felon? Yeah. So I don't know if a felon can run for president. That's the thing. I don't. No, I don't think a felon can. So I don't know. I think that you are literally handing Trump the election by putting him in a mugshot. Everything that they are they are doing to this man right now has only benefited him. And his marketing team, so far, has been moving the right way. They're smart. They dropped a shirt. They raised $7 million. Bro, that's only been in a couple days. Not imagine only that, that was just um, a shirt. Just from the shirt, from the moment of the mugshot coming out, imagine in a year from now when the actual election starts and people start. This is a wild situation. This is America right now in 2023 again. Um, let's talk about this. We'll skip the, the cool guy. We could talk about Fuzi and it ended with Charleston White. So, Fuzi, legendary YouTuber, Fuzi, one of the iconic YouTubers, one of the actual first major YouTube stars really that has become a sensation across the world, had a major downfall. He went through his mental health issues, controversial takes, and it was scary for him. You know? It was, Bro, like, very, like, strange, and what the fuck is going on? Can, now he's back again.
0: Can we be honest? Like, Obviously, back in the day, like, he was big. We can't deny that. But, like, right now, I swear, bro, I swear every single time he comes back, bro, it's in his relevance peaks again. It's because of other people. Let's be honest. It do
1: be. It do be. He's you know around right now. He's been around Aiden Ross. Yeah. The Neon kid. He's been bullying the Neon streamer kid. A lot. That kid needs to get his ass beat. For that bro, kid is, bro. like, so strange to me. I don't know if he's, like, a character. I don't, I don't I don't. understand Neon. You know how hard i beat that motherfucker's ass, bro? I don't, I don't know if he's, like, 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 obviously that motherfucker doing it on whatsoever. purpose. I, I, I don't understand that kid. Like, I don't get what's going on with that. Bro, he would have to pay me not to beat his ass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being dead ass. Bradley Martin. A bunch of uh, the legendary, just famous people in the YouTube world are crossing paths with Fuzi, And allegedly it's because he's trying to sign, like, a deal with Kick again. Not again, but... <laughs> A new deal D- with someone DK again, that, and it's going to be kick been, $15 million
0: they're trying to give. DK, that shit's been canceled like two or three times already.
1: Yeah, I don't know what's going on. But this is fuzi from literally the hospital bed. Again, with the bullshit. Like, still acting like as if, like, I'm getting out of here, blah, blah, blah.
0: Hey, guys. I'm really upset um because I was hoping you guys would interact with me on Discord. I'm here with Bassam. But you guys are being really weird, so forget about it. Just want to say hi. I miss y'all. I'm currently under, what's it called? The this, this, this thing the cops put me under? I have no idea.
2: I forgot the name of the act. When you can't leave a mental hospital until you get clearance. It's
1: not a nice act.
0: <laughs> it's not a nice act. Um, can't leave the hospital until I get clearance from the police. So I've been here for four days now. They drug me up every day. Any time I say something wrong, Wallahi, they put a needle this big into my arm. But I love y'all. I made the .4 second shot. I got fouled out. That's all it is. I'll be back. Y'all know that. Season 2. On the way. We champions now. Let's get it. G7. I forgot his fucking thing fell off when he bent into that shit.
1: His tooth. (laughs) So his whole thing right now is G7, Game 7, and, like, that energy of, like, Game 7, you know, last fourth quarter, like, the actual pressure, you know, pressure-makes-diamonds moment in basketball reference, right? Right. So that's his old G7, blah, blah, blah. But, brother, I'll tell you this much right now. You are in a state of you need help, and someone needs to get every single phone away from him because I feel like he's reaching towards a path where doing anything for clout, it works. That's what I was going to say. But he's killing himself without him realizing. He's killing himself, bro. Is this a character, though?
0: Is this a fucking
1: character? If this is a, if this is still a character, then we would have to give Fuzi an award, because if this is like still full on character mode and like acting, because let's this be is honest, incredible. But I do think people, that is not
0: people knowing how he is and shit like that. The fact that, then again, it's also it's also content for them and viral shit. So I get the business side of it, but like, if he's real deal tapped, would you really want to work with him?
1: No. No. You know what I'm saying? But that's why these brands, like Aiden Ross, Aiden Ross, Bradley Martin, all these big celebrities that have been around, Fousey, if they're not just trying to help him out and they're trying to do content with him, I would say get the fuck away from him because it's reaching a point of just... How how low can we go? How how low can we... scroll? like, are you gonna are we going to see a point where people just start, like, stabbing you, people you, and, like, killing people on camera?
0: A, have you seen the clip of, uh, I think he's in a car with uh, Sneeko? Is that his name? Probably Sneeko, yeah. He was in a car with him, and he's like, Sneeko, hold my hand because I'm about to hit myself. I'm so blah, 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 blah. And, like, Sneeko just, like, turns away from him and shit like that, and he ends up just smacking the shit out of his fucking head and shit. He's like, I asked you to hold it, blah blah, 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 blah blah, and like he just turns away. So, when when people do shit like that, if you know he, that he's tapped, bro, it's sick. Yeah, yeah, you really gonna let that happen? You know what I'm saying? Like,
1: they're they what's it called? They are, there's a term for it? um, they're aiding, they're aiding the the actual illness. They're adding fuel to the fire. Like they know that he's mentally not there, but instead of like trying to stop it. And tell him, hey, let's get you out of the situation. They're just making a mockery of it and just going along with the skit or whatever, trying to skit it up. No amount of money and no amount of followers is worth literally destroying your whole life publicly on camera. Like, it's not—this is not okay, man. And then you have so much respect through the shit that you've done in the past, the foundation you laid through the creation of YouTube and vlogs and stuff that you've done in the precipice of, like, the height of your career, whereas, like, now— I guess he is like a YouTube OG realizing, oh, all that people care now about is just views. Let me just do the craziest thing on camera. Let me smack people around. Let me scream. Let me go crazy. Let me have, let me go crash almost my car, like literally risk my life because it's getting me more views. I'm number one streaming on Kick. He's been number one streaming on Kick a lot of times throughout these manic episodes. I'm number one streaming on Kick. I'm going to get a big deal. I'm going to get a $20, $20 million deal. I'm going to get millions millions of dollars. Oh my god, oh my god. But it's not worth it. It's not worth it because what influence are you leaving? What impact are you leaving? Are you going to just trying to have people just do this? You want kids to do this? Like just literally play with their mental health on live on camera? This is not okay. This is a, this is as if literally you are taking a butler oh here it's called we have butler but let's say a mental uh, rehabilitation center patient out from their room and putting a camera on them and following them every day that's what's happening with fousey and literally to the point that he's literally on the hospital bed again making content talking about I'll be back and mama and blah blah, blah blah they got me here trapped and this and that Bro, maybe they got you their trap because you need it. Maybe you need you obviously need the help. Like, do you think about that? And my thing is, does Fuzi have no family? Does he have no parents that love him? Does he have like no actual real deal friends? Like, this is sad. This is just a clout chasing machine yeah. that has fallen from the grace of his career and has become a disgusting, just example of like what not to do and what not to be. Mm-hmm. This is very bad. It's very bad. So. Right now, as of right now, rest in peace, Fuzi's career. The shit's in the toilet. You think so? I think so. I think it's nothing really to look up to. I think it's like. No,
0: no, no, not to look
1: up to. Bro. I think it's an like entertaining shit, like, oh. But, just, but we, we love accept. a mess. It's we exactly. love seeing a mess.
0: To his generation, that's what they give. They don't give a fuck about that person's health, bro. As long as they're entertained. And then once something happens to them, God forbid, it's like, oh my God, this, this and that. You're fake.
1: Yeah. No, it's you know true. Saying? Because every time we're on a road, if you're on driving by the road, if you're driving in the car right now and you see a car crash, everyone's going to slow down to look at the car crash. Oh, what's going on? You know, that's what's happening with Fuzi. Try to record it. He's literally a car crash. He's Be a one car of the first crash happening. people to post it. He's a car crash happening right before our eyes, literally. People love a car crash. People love that. Why? I think it's human nature. You know, maybe the animal instinct in us. But this is one that if can be stopped, right now we, it needs to be stopped while well, we still can. Cause I, am not gonna lie, I would be sad if this man were to pass away. Like I don't, know, I don't want to see Fuzi die. Like I don't want, I don't want him to get to that level. Yeah. I, I, really do love the shit that he did in the past. Like he's really, we, you, we can argue that this channel wouldn't exist without creators like him because the stuff that he did really allowed YouTube to like, oh, all this type of content works. Let's keep doing this. Oh, let's let's keep allowing creators to do this. And Fuzi was one of the OGs. You know he was literally at the heels of it. You know, uh, damn near basically before the lo- the Paul brothers, no, or, or right at the right at the top of them. But I would say he's like their OG, almost damn near. You yeah. know, so man, foosy foosy foozy. Another clout chasing machine. Charleston White has gone viral once again because Charleston White has a fight that he is doing against this man who I have no idea who he is, but he seems to be maybe a professional boxer, maybe not. But he's going to box this man, right? But at the actual, what do you call it, uh, conference or face-to-face, this is what happened with Charleston White and his opponent. Hollywood. Hollywood. We've already seen some controversy at the pool We're going to settle the score In the fucking old boxing ring Representing town Out of Dallas, Texas US, the Got the roll ball like he's Mayweather well He got
2: maced he maced him. Maced by Charleston Mace Mace Mace
1: Mace 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 White. Why are you a doll, man? Yeah. And there's video. I'm not sure if I could it, but there's video of this so man. Charleston White is the guy with the robe? Yeah, he's the one with the robe. Who is he again? So, Charleston White is the guy that's gone viral for so he just too many takes. Too many takes. It's not. Yeah, he's always going viral. Like, he always has like a, a but, wild but, take. But,
0: but, what, what does he do?
1: I'm trying to remember where we brought him up in here oh for. God. This is the guy i getting maced. He's like, oh, damn near dying. Bro, pepper Spray is no joke.
0: I was gonna say, yo, nobody fucking pouring water on that man's face, bro. Yeah. Bro, the street going crazy, bro. That nigga said fire That
2: nigga fired on for real,
1: bro. 20 Get some milk. Go in this restaurant see
2: what's going on.
1: He's going crazy, bro. You mean water not going? Yes, wash the fucking face.
0: Take
2: <laughs> her store. her some milk.
1: The water. her milk. Gotta let it. You gotta let it. Gotta let it. got burned. Bro, that shit sucks, bro. I would never want to get pepper spray. We almost did at the at one of the riot things that happened out here in downtown one time, but my eyes did burn, but it was from a distance. It wasn't a direct pepper spray, and that was like a smoke bomb, some shit. Um, but yeah, Charleston White has always just gone viral for his takes. He's the one that has shit, said shit about... Um, in my opinion, I look at him as like a, a comedian. I think he actually is very funny. I like a lot of the stuff that he says, it's very entertaining, but I need to look this person. there is like a percentage of the shit that he says that is offensive and very idiotic.
0: Oh yeah, I know who that mace
1: is. Too. I'm going mace crazy in the random fucker. I just Mace the whole TSF crew. He said he maced uh Sauce Walker's team and everyone in Sauce Walker, but then Sauce Walker said that he was lying. So then he's been going viral, like every day, I feel like ever since Charleston White's come onto the scene, every day he goes viral, but the recent ones have been because of this fight that's happening. He hits him on the head with the knife, and the knife, I guess, extended while he hit him. So then the guy was bleeding. Eventually started bleeding. The same guy he maced. They met like in the hotel.
0: Like
1: he has long, long knife he carries everywhere. That shit's not even legal. On. It's not. Even, I, I don't know what's going on. Put the blade up. Put the blade up. Put the blade up. Oh, you got me? Oh, he got me. Oh, he got me with the blade. He got me with the
0: blade. He oh blade
1: wow. Got- yeah, and I'll just show it briefly because obviously graphic, but Charleston White is someone that I think is entertaining. He's a uh, a clout machine.
0: I think he's too old. For
1: but guess shit. what? He's too old for this shit. And also, unfortunately, I feel like Charleston White's gonna end up probably dead soon. God for God forgive me. That's what's going on here. I don't even like speaking like that, but it's like, bro, you are playing with your life.
0: He's lucky he isn't getting gambanged with his- with all this shit. Like like this man's team is. On some professional shit.
1: I don't know how how Charson White has escaped gangbangers from Nipsey Hussle's camp, Sauce Walker's camp. He's had encounters publicly with a lot of them, not directly, but like the, the associates, and he gets away scot free. Like I don't know what's going on with Charson White. Like he is like an example of like clout chasing on a 6'9 level, right? But instead
0: is physical though
1: he actually gets physical with people he punches people he maces everyone he has his knife everywhere he's always talking about his gun he's very argumentative he's always talking about he's not scared to die and it's like bro one thing is to be entertaining a comedian I get it but then you push it too far like people do you want to just die like do you want to die like why would you want to entertain death like why would you want to risk your life you know, for the sake of just your statement, like, why can't we just agree to disagree? Mm-hmm. Like, why can't you just be like, my bad, bro, I went too far? Mm-hmm. Two, Three words. Four words. That's it. That's it. Okay, take it. Okay, it's fine. We move forward. Instead, he doubles down, triples down. <laughs> that was more than four words. You know what I'm saying? Four it was it? Six? <laughs> seven? <laughs> Quick sentence. He doubles down, triples down, and keeps going, and like, does not give a fuck. He risks his life for it. To each their own, I think it's not worth it. I think Charles and Way is maybe the most interesting man of this entire year, but at the same time, maybe the dumbest. If you happen to be just like me and you're into fashion and you love also vintage clothing, there's an event called Faded, the largest curated vintage event in the Northeastern history. This is the second annual one happening September 2nd, 30,000 square feet. There's going to be hundreds of vendors, including also food trucks outside for you to eat. On top of that, literally on top, a rooftop party the entire day of the event. People are flying in from across the entire world, including actual artists that created merch for bands such as Nirvana themselves. Make sure to check it out this Saturday, September 2nd, at the Waterfire Center in Providence, Rhode Island. So we are here, special guest for the week at Club Ambition Podcast. Welcome into the studio. A man who's had, you know, especially locally, very renowned career, whether it's acting, you know, even philosophical, uh, philanthropical. Phil- what was that? How do you pronounce that word? <laughs> philanthropical work. He's someone that just by searching his name online makes the rounds of very legendary, you know, actions and especially acts of kindness and someone that's very respected throughout the community that is province rhode island in my opinion the best city in the world so this is someone that's also tied into and directly now as a part of his new job as of this year pvd fest one of the biggest if not the biggest things that represents rhode island you know especially rhode island arts and we've known throughout this platform the impact that that's had you know especially the new changes and everything that's had so without further ado here to update those that didn't know at all you know the actual current updates of PVD Fest and also give you know because this is not his only uh appearance on this podcast we're definitely going to have this is one of many mm-hmm. Joe Wilson Jr appearances at Club Ambition podcasts mm-hmm. you know God willing going forward because he's a very um especially through meeting him off camera right now he's a very his aura is insane you know oh. I love it so welcome to the podcast the director of Providence Arts and Cultural Tourism, but also the renowned theater actor and actor in general, and also theater director, Joe Wilson Jr., to the podcast. round of applause. Appreciate you so happy to be here. I appreciate you. I love that. Where are they coming
2: from? Where are they clapping from? (laughs) It's the the AI. The AI (laughs) claps.
1: Man, so real quick, like I said, this is obviously the main vocal uh, point of today is to highlight the PVD Fest and to update the people, and I wanted to get a direct, you know, from... You know, the horse's mouth, because ideally, you know, I know the, the mayor has a busy schedule. We're going to try to do something hopefully after P.B.D. Fest with him. But everyone kept saying, you got to talk to Joe, Joe Wilson, Jr., Joe Wilson, Jr. And I had a feeling I knew your name because, you know, one of my best friends, you know, Eric, he's mentioned you. Right. and then, But I didn't know it was the same Joe Wilson, Jr. I'm like through researching him and looking, at him, I'm like, wait, so this is the same One that Eric mentioned, you know, and I'm not even sure, Eric, even one of the, when you were talking to me off camera right now, one of the quotes you stated was like something that Eric said too, so I'm like, man, he probably got it from Joe, like one of these these quotes, you know, so I can just tell. So, tell the people real quick, who is Joe Wilson Jr.? For those listening, you know, thousands of people out there in Rhode Island right now who have no clue and deserve to know, who is Joe Wilson Jr.?
2: First of all, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Appreciate it. Um... Who is Jogelson, Jr.? Um, I moved to Providence about 19 years ago. Uh, I have been a theater actor and director for 30 years of my life, which I probably shouldn't be saying that because I'm dating myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've been doing this uh, for 30 years. I've, I'm from New Orleans originally, yeah. born and raised. Uh, went to an all-black male Catholic high school in New Orleans. I graduated, went to the University of Notre Dame and majored in political science. Uh, I had every intention of going on to run for office and, you know, maybe going back to Louisiana and being the mayor of New Orleans or the governor of Louisiana. Um, So I went to go to law school. And um, I caused some trouble in my second semester junior year at Notre Dame. Um, I led a protest that basically shut down the Golden Dome for a day. (laughs) Um, But I'm proud to say that um, many of the action items that we proposed then Uh, My brother enjoyed 10 years later when he went to Notre Dame, um, you know, protecting um, faculty of color, students of color, um, providing, you know, safe spaces for students to to be able to be themselves at ND. And so I'm really proud of that. But, you know, I was involved in all kinds of political stuff uh, at Notre Dame. And I was so burnt out with that in my second semester of my junior year. And I knew I was going to law school. I didn't wanna screw up my GPA. Mm-hmm. I took an acting class and it changed my life. Um, and I spent the last year of my time at Notre Dame uh, acting in play after play, taking classes. And, and then I went off to, um, cause all of my new friends were auditioning for graduate programs in acting and I went off to audition with them and I got tr- accepted into triple the amount of grad programs mm. in acting than I did law schools. And um, I knew how the craft made me feel. I knew how that community made me feel. Um and I called my parents and I said you know I'm not going to law school I'm going to acting school and my mother cried and my daddy cursed. Um, but over the course of 30 years, I have built a career that my father became proud of and understood. Uh, he passed away about four years ago. Rest um, in peace. My mother, thank you. My mother, um, they really understand uh, now because growing up in New Orleans. For us, art making and being an actor was, um, you know, it was like they only had certain visions of that, like making the being a movie star or being on Broadway, and so it scared my parents to death that they had spent all this money and now their kids talking about not going to law school and yeah. you want to be an actor, yeah. and so, but even my perception around acting, I knew how it made me feel, how it changed my life, but um, you know, I was always chasing that brass ring. I wanted to be the movie star. I wanted to to do the Broadway thing. I, I had a very transactional relationship with my art. It was about the next movie, the next gig, the next job, the next thing, chasing like a dog, chasing a car. And I, over the course of my studies and over the course of my life living in community, I began to understand that my my art making wasn't uh, something that was a transactional thing. That it wasn't something that should simply be consumed by an audience or by someone that wanted to go and buy a ticket to a movie, but that indeed as much as my art transformed my life, that my art has a transformative power within communities because art making is about the process. I mean, man, I spent 30 years of my life putting myself in somebody else's shoes. I've played hundreds of characters, not all of which I agreed with, Mm. um, some of which I vehemently disagreed with. But my job as an actor is not to judge them. My job as an actor is to be them and Mm. to advocate for them because that's my role in a story. So that's how acting... um, I think falls in line to what I'm doing now. Um, You know, I'm, I'm in a city job, you know, I have worked for constituents and stakeholders, Um, you know, uh, yes, I've gotten bad reviews before, but you know, there's a, there's a lot more at stake, I think, in terms of the work that I'm doing for the city. So being able to step inside other people's shoes, understand what that means, I think has really served me um, in this job thus far. Um, But one last thing I'll say and is that I've always found myself... I've lived in New York. I've been on Broadway. I've worked around the country. But I've always found myself being attracted to communities that allow me to actually not just be an actor, but you know, because of my local stupid celebrity, oh, I saw you in that show, and blah, 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 mm-hmm. that it's given me the capacity that people ask me, you know, hey, Joe, you want to serve on this board? Mm. Hey, Joe, you want to help us raise money? Yeah. Uh, hey, Joe, you care about this? Or things that I've cared about, mm-hmm. allowing me to be... Engage in community in a way that is not just about me being an actor, but about me being a citizen and about me um, um, then sharing my love of my art form as, again, not a Mm -hmm. transactional thing, but as a way that we can actually shape policy and change minds. And as a practice, as a way to build community, as a way to bring people together, as a way to build consensus, but more importantly, a practice of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes day in and day out. Um, is a way that we're going to build a more beloved community, and so that's been my journey. Um, and it's interesting that I wanted to be a politician when I was that young black boy leaving New Orleans, and I'm finding myself in a, a, um, in an adjacency with yeah. with with bureaucracy and and, and
1: politics now. Hundred percent, yeah, full circle. And then, what would be that situation that you would say directly landed you in the situation? Like, exactly, the actual job. Like, how did Joe Wilson Jr. become the actual director of cultural arts in Providence and tourism in Providence? What was the situation that made you, aside from just deciding to take the job, how did the job, in your opinion, even land in your world at all?
2: That's a great question. Uh, There were a lot of factors that led me to this job, I think. Um, Number one, the mayor asked me, and... um, I took about 36 hours to think about it, and I said yes. Mm. Um, You know, I was well aware of what I was walking into and well aware of the legacy of this department Yeah, and um, have relationships with people who have led this department and friendships with folks who have led this department. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. You know, I went back and forth about it because of those relationships. Um, And But if I didn't take the job, somebody else would have. Mm. And so I'd rather take the job and I'd rather do the best I can with that job and and try and continue to foster and nurture those relationships that I've had, um, you know, both in the city and people who have been in this department to continue the legacy and stand on the shoulders of folks who have done extraordinary work. And so I took the job. I I think another thing I'll I'll say about it is for a long time, you know, as much as I can speak in all these glorified terms by understanding myself and my business, let's just be clear I've always had a complicated relationship with my artistry yeah. because I've always felt like, you know, sometimes you, it's not taken seriously or we're marginalized in terms of 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 our capacity to to be in, uh, to be a part of important conversations. I knew I wanted to have. Um, it's interesting because, you know, I have began toward the latter part of my career and I'm not saying my career in 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 art making is over, but I have gravitated toward directing because I wanted to have mm-hmm. more of a 360 view of the work of the story. You know, when you're an actor, you're like, need, to, you have to understand the story, obviously. Yeah. You, you gotta understand the who, the what, the where, the when, and the why. Like, where are you? Who are you? How do you fit into a story? But I wanted to be able to, to as a director, have more of a 360 view of the entire story. Mm-hmm. And I think that began a journey for me, um, which leads me to where I am now, is wanting to have that kind of that 360 view of, of my world and of my community and, and using my art making um, in, in a broader way. Um, and so it was a, it was it was just the right time. It, it felt like the right time for me. I'm not getting any younger, you know. I got, <laughs> I got two bad knees. I've been dancing and and working on stages for thirty years. Um, and I, I'm I'm I want to I want to be in this business for the long haul. When I say in this business, it, I mean. Being an advocate for creativity and an advocate for artists and an advocate for art making, mm-hmm. um, and it was just it, I, it was just a time in my life when I was ready for a change. Um, it's been a dramatic change. It's been a lifestyle change, like I can't even describe.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but it, I have no regrets. It still feels right. In 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 the midst of all the challenges, um, the trials and with the victories, I have no regrets. Uh, making this pivot in my career. Um, and so it was just, it was the right time. Um, I also, you know, I've had a a relationship with the mayor and his husband. Um, they have been longtime supporters of, of Trinity Rep, which is a theater I joined, um, 18 years ago, um, moving from New York. And, um, and so I've known uh, those guys and they've seen my work. They've seen me come in as an actor and they've seen, you know, the scope of the work that I've done, not just on the stage, but beyond the stage and being embedded in community and being an advocate for, you know, so many nonprofits in the city um, and and just trying to use, again, my art making as not um, uh, a, a means to an end, but as a pathway to... Um, to, to the future, a pathway to open conversation. It wasn't about just a play. Did the play, oh, let's do the next play. About using artistry as a way to open conversations, using artistry as a way to open hearts, uh, using artistry as a way to create the conditions for um, us to to build a more beloved community. And I hope that it's because of that and the mayor seeing that, um, that he chose me uh, to, to take this job. And more importantly, um, to be, I believe, the first artist to be invited to um, to take a job such as this in the city of Providence.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's, that's definitely probably, I would say probably a fact because I, I really, until, you know, learning more about you and especially having such an important role, I've never heard of, like, an actual artist in the city working for the city, especially becoming a director of a, such a magnitude, so that's an amazing accomplishment you know because you still are directly working with artists (laughs) you know it's not it's not like oh it's Mm. far-fetched like they're trying to put you just in an office and do a whole different type something else differently you're doing still your work but on a city level more you know office vibe but still you know Still doing the work. Still doing the work for the artists. And speaking of artists, before we get into the tidbit about, you know, what a lot of people probably clicking on for, for the PVD Fest actual update, I definitely wanted to hear about this story from your actual, you know, perspective, your experience when you look up your name, Joe Wilson Jr. You know, and not to a shock of many with the very renowned career, you, were, you have been able to rub shoulders with a lot of greats, right? <laughs> but specifically Denzel Washington. <clears throat> in my opinion, arguably... The best actor of all time. So talk about that experience real quick. <laughs> just to archive this in YouTube history, you know, Joe Wilson Jr. talking about working with Denzel Washington. How was that experience? You know, you were from what I read was specifically the understudy mm-hmm. in the Iceman Comet, mm-hmm. the theater play. You were his understudy in 2018. Mm-hmm. But what was that experience meeting Denzel Washington and just working with him in general at all? First of all, it was crazy. It was crazy. Not Denzel,
2: but the experience was nuts. I was at a point in my career of feeling very restless. You know, I was in here in Providence. And this is the other thing about being an artist in this job. Yeah. You know, I know what it's like to wait for money. I know what it's like to always search for money the next gig. And so even how we, the processes that we have in our department in terms of trying to pay people on time and creating transparent processes and fair and equitable processes these things don't come from me just talking out of my butt yeah they come from me being in the trenches as an artist and being on the side of a business oftentimes that was sexist and racist and homophobic mm-hmm. um you know as i as, as i used to tell my kids because i've taught quite a bit um my last i actually um my last gig i was um artist in residence at wheaton college in, in norton Massachusetts. And I would always tell my acting kids, "Is like, I'm not coming into my class to too you to death. T-O-O. You're too short, you're too fat, you're too black, you're mm. too femme, you're too butch, you too this, you too that. Our business can be very problematic in terms of how it objectifies people like us who are artists. And so, um, anyway, I've always had this sort of complicated relationship with the art making and I got restless. You know, I was, you know, people look at me at Trinity Rep and it's like, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm a gig a gig economy worker. I only make, you know, I get so many shows at Trinity, but I still got 10 jobs, you yeah, know? Yeah. And and I was at a point in my life, I was getting older, and I'm like, God, well, maybe I should be in New York, and maybe I should be chasing that brass ring as I'm watching all my friends continue to do that. You know, it always seems sexier from the outside, right? Mm-hmm. And so I got a call, actually, from some um, casting agents in New York who are old friends of mine who worked in an institution that I used to uh, have some ties to, and they were like, Joe, you know... Um, There's this revival of Iceman Cometh, It's this Eugene O'Neill play, Denzel's playing Hickey, the lead. It's a four hour, massive, classic American play. Mm -hmm. And would you consider auditioning for it? And I did audition via tape. I sent in a recording and I got the job. And I have understudied (laughs) before and understudying is one of the most thankless, difficult jobs in the business because you don't get the reps You know, it's like, you know, you're being on the bench, you may get some scrimmages, but it's like... You know, when it's time to hit it, you got to hit it. Yeah. And the thing about acting and being on stage and learning your lines and all the stuff that we do, it's about feeling it and being in it and that and getting it in your body, as we talk about in the theater. But you don't have that luxury when you're understudying. You just don't get the reps.
1: What it is even is to be understudy. talk about that, because I feel like people hear understudy, and I'm familiar with it, but that's probably because my best friend's a, a theater actor, but a lot of people don't even know what that role specifically entails when it comes to being an understudy. And your role, what it was to do... When it came to becoming an understudy for denzel in that situation right well basically you're watching a person do the role and then you have to recreate what they're doing and
2: depending on when they bring you into the process producers um you know they promised me that they would bring me into the process during rehearsal so i would get to actually have more time mm-hmm. to absorb the role and again this is a four hour play he played the lead hickey for example i don't know if many people know the ice cometh but you know in the fourth act when He comes and he reveals to the people in this bar that he's been drinking with for hours, days, days and hours, that he murdered his wife. He talks for 25 minutes. It's a 25-minute monologue that Hickey delivers in Act 4. And so the sheer amount of lines that I had for that show, um, I felt comforted by the fact that they would allow me to come in early to, to see rehearsals and to be able to absorb all the material. Well, it didn't work out that way. The first time I got into the room was during previews. Mm-hmm. They were in the space, George Wolf, renowned uh, African-American director was directing the play. And so the first time I began to absorb this play and this role was watching them in previews. Yeah. But during previews, we could have gone on. And and so it was one of the most stressful jobs of my life. I learned the role um, and I made great relationships but it was a really stressful job. It was a job that you felt like you had very little control, yeah. that you were always underprepared. And, um, and but it, but it was transformative for me because it, it reminded me, it made me actually count my blessings and to reevaluate my life here in Providence. And, you know, actors, we, we were always like dogs chasing the car. You know, it's gotta be one, uh, gotta be something better. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Got to be something better. I got to get the next thing. Yeah. But it, it, that job was so stressful and it was just, it was so beyond my control. It made me think about all the control, all the license and agency that I have in a place like Providence. Yeah. Um, and, um, but speaking of Denzel, Denzel was really an incredible person to watch. He is a consummate professional. He's an int- an intense actor. Um, and he, that's in a nutshell. You know, also one of the most terrifying things about covering Denzel Washington was the day that they would call you and say, you're on, or we had dressing rooms actually in the theater. Yeah. And so I could have gone on at any point during the four act play. Yeah. um, Which happened to one of our actors. Hmm. Um, And as a matter of fact, there was one day that one of our actors went on during previews. We hadn't even had our first rehearsal as an understudy cast. Yeah. One of our actors went on and was great. And, but I'll tell you the story. It's a funny story. So uh, we're all like, uh, you know, my friend was getting in his costume to go on for an actor who, after the first act, was taken off. And so they were putting my friend on for the second act yeah. of this four-act play. Yeah. And we're all like, you know, as he got dressed, we're all like, you know, leading him down the stairs to go to stage and dapping him up and clapping <laughs> like, Chris, you got this, you got this. You know, you got this, you got this. Yeah. And so we got to the first landing because our dressing room was all the way up. And we got to the first landing when Denzel's dressing room was. Mm. And I was the last one in the line of people dapping my friend up and bucking him up. and You got this, you got this, you got this. Yeah. And I saw Denzel sitting in a chair on the stairwell. And he was leaning back in his chair. And he was like, oh my God. I don't feel good. I feel terrible. And I'm at the back of the line like, dude, don't you do this to me. <laughs> don't you do this to me. And he looks up at me, and he's like bah! <laughs> He's like, I've got your ass, I've got your ass. Oh, but the point was he oh understood of how much pressure I was under, he understood. Yeah. And he was just joking and he was, he was, he was really funny in that way and, um, and but was always um, grateful and always um, gracious to me because he knew that I probably had the toughest job in the building. Yeah. But like how would you imagine? In the role of Denzel Washington to be played by Joe Wilson Jr. My God. Ooh, I, you know, I'm not saying people would boo, but it was just, it was a high-pressure job, but it really reminded me, again, just maybe count my blessings to be able to come back home and to know what I have and to appreciate what I have and, and to know that um, that I have a community of people who have my back and who give me every tool that mm-hmm. I need to be able to succeed.
1: It's real shit. People always see the work when it's done and when it's being done from the bird's eye view, like, outside, but then, you know... Inside the trenches, uh, the, all the work that goes into you know actually fulfilling this product, people have no idea. You know they be they'll be blown away. So that that's a it's an amazing amazing thing that you know amazing life that you lived, especially when it comes to the arts. But going back now to connecting it to currently, mm. you are you know a part of your job being a director of Providence Arts, Culture, and Tourism mm. is being one of the voices in. PVD Fest, mm-hmm. right? So you being one of the producers of PVD Fest, mm-hmm. we're going to look at the differences now from... We're gonna, I'm going to pull up right here that we, people can actually get a visual, um, actual visual of the changes that were announced at that time mm-hmm. and compare them to what is currently going on and what's going to happen literally in about 12 days, right? 12 days. 10 days. 10 days from this recording day or when the episode comes out. So literally... In about a week or Mm -hmm. a week or two, week and a half time, uh, for those to be informed, especially the people out there watching that are from Rhode Island, Mm -hmm. about two, about yeah, about two, two, three months ago, Mm -hmm. now uh, was the update that I tweeted out where people were informed of the mayor's changes to PBD Fest, and people were outraged. I made an initial post on Instagram, and I think a day later. I was like, okay, let me make the post on Twitter because people mm-hmm. really feel, you know, verbatim. Oh, was ruined forever. Oh, my God, these changes, they were going insane. You remember that? It was insane. Like, I've never, I've gotten responses, feedback from local things I've done, you know, all the time, but this was one of the ones I got the most outreach, mm-hmm. unexpected, because I had no ties to any celebrity interview, you know, nothing, <laughs> like, nothing, like, stereotypical that you think is going to get engagement, right? First change, and we're going to go down along the line. They moved the date. It was a June, July, you know, middle of the summer, top of the summer event. Mm -hmm. PVD Fest happening in September. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's still happening, right? It's still happening. Correct. September 8th, 9th, and 10th. Perfect. Yep. And then now, I believe this one's updated, but I want to get it from you as well. At the time, there was no block parties being allowed anywhere. So what is the current update with the block parties at PVD Fest? The current update is that the mayor and the administration, um,
2: you know, we've heard. Um, We've heard the people and um we um have now changed that a bit to allow for some activation uh block parties um on Friday and um you know the mayor has spoken very publicly members of the administration have spoken very publicly about look we've heard people's consternation there was people were upset um and we have added some um the capacity for businesses to do stuff on Friday but you know what uh, folks, just I would love for folks to, to sort of sort of hear me say, um, you know, everything that we've done has been about trying to sustain, create the conditions for a festival that lives far beyond me or the mayor or anybody else, because this is the people's festival. Um, this festival is about platforming our artists in our community. And, um, you know, we're also in a world where we have um, at times very limited capacity. Um, You know, um, I will say that the most challenging thing of one of the first things that I talked to the mayor about, you know, sitting in his office was talking about PVD Fest Mm. in January. Um, But I don't know if folks really kind of understand or understood that. I mean, we're in the midst of a deep, deep transition. I mean, this is the first time that PVD Fest was not was going to be produced by a mayor who wasn't the previous mayor. Um and we're also trying to fill positions in the administration for people to like run the city yeah, you know uh, we're trying to put together a budget a brand new budget for the city. and so it 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 became a, a, a wide-ranging conversation around how could we create the conditions for a sustainable festival? how could we create the conditions for a successful festival? And so even down to buying us a few extra months um, was very useful um in terms of planning this festival and so. Yeah. You know, I'm proud that we found September as a sweet spot, um, and of course we. Now difference in the festival is that it's around the river. Um, it's 500 yards from where it previously was. It's uh, surrounding. Um, yeah, that was the, the, relocation, the re- relocation relocated to the Providence exactly.
1: River instead of the main downtown area, which right. was what Washington.
2: Washington was blocked off. Yeah, uh, many of our a large chunk of down of, it's all downtown to me. Yeah. But a large chunk of of uh, of Five hundred yards back into downtown was blocked off, and um, the new footprint was was a part of um, our changes for this new festival. Yeah. Um, but again, to answer your question, there are um, several businesses who will be activating downtown on Friday, and when I mean activation, I mean block parties. Um, and so we're really happy about that. We're really happy that um, that folks saw it as an opportunity to to join us to celebrate um, the beginning of our festival weekend.
1: Yeah. And in another change. Uh, was no uh, bars. Correct. Is this something that's been updated or still installed? Uh, well, w- w-
2: there's lots of bars. I mean, you can walk in either direction and find a bar. On our present footprint, of course, uh, there will be the Guild, mm-hmm. um, uh, the beer garden that exists on that footprint. And so that will still exist. But, of course, you have to be of a certain age to drink, um, and you can't leave uh, that area with a beer. Uh, you consume that beverage within that footprint. Um, But, you know, we're encouraging everybody, you know, our city is a walkable city. That's the beautiful thing about Providence. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to get your drink on, there are plenty of places around the festival footprint to do that or walking further into the city to do that. We also have, you know, uh, a lot of activations or activities um, outside of our footprint that people can enjoy that can lure them into our city to take a break and go get a meal. If you don't want to go to the food truck village, if you want to go in town or you'd rather get an adult beverage, look, I'm a big... I'm a big fan of an adult beverage. <laughs> um, and so I know if I was going to the festival, I would want to step off the footprint. I'm not a big beer drinker. I would step off off the footprint and go somewhere and do that. So yeah. there's opportunities to do that. But there are no bars uh, on the festival footprint. Um, and that was a decision that we made uh, for a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, uh, um, budgetarily, also, we have to protect those bars overnight. So that adds to yeah, you know, yeah. our, you know, it's it's a lot. Um, but the uh, open container drinking, which is also listed here, and, and having PVD Fest-sponsored bars was something that we felt like, capacity-wise, we, we we couldn't do. But, you know, to be truthful, and people may think I'm um, um, blowing smoke up people's proverbial backsides, is that we saw it as an opportunity for folks to really engage with all of the beautiful restaurants and bars that we actually have in downtown Providence. That was infrastructure that we would rather have used the, those use those funds to, to – protect bars overnight or yeah. the insurance for bars and all that. We'd rather use those funds for artists. You know, we'd rather use those funds to pay more singers, to pay more roving artists, to pay for the infrastructure to support these artists, the tech. All of that, all of that money that we spend on PVD Fest goes to supporting artists and so we made the choice to to, to do that. Um, and so no, there are no yeah. bars being sponsored by PVD Fest but there's certainly um, plenty of places that folks can go and to enjoy uh, those libations, if they choose to do
1: so. Yeah, and no open containers. Uh, still, I would imagine, because it kind of coincides with that as well. So, still no open containers. Uh, being allowed around the the PVD fest grounds as well, right?
2: Uh, meaning uh, no open containers. Meaning we will not sell you a glass of booze, and you can walk uh, down the street with that booze. That we okay, um, yeah. We want um, beverages, adult beverages, to be consumed within the footprint of the. Um, beer garden or if you go somewhere else off site that and there are places plenty of places that have outdoor seating that you sit and and enjoy those beverages um, within the confines of those footprints for those businesses and then but but leave but leave your cups there
1: perfect and then just to now that's the update for those who were interested in looking for it that's the update you know as far as the changes goes and everything, and kind of like we were kind of speaking off camera, but just how I've always felt even before meeting anyone with the city, I felt like as if there was just a sense of disconnect with like the rollout of the announcement, and I think that's what that's what was the that that's what was the main issue because I felt like you know, the people are going to feel how they're going to feel, right? So you, you make these announcements, and then everyone's like, oh, my God, mm. they have these theories, right? And we're going to talk about those, right? The, a lot of these tweets went viral, and a lot of responses in the comments were going very viral, and then people had their opinions feeling like as if, you know, this is the mayor either whitewashing the PVD Fest, whitewashing the city with this ch- these changes, right? Or um, the idea of it just being feeling not literally being anti-anti-black but maybe swaying towards that direction of like you know trying to be more more proper and just trying to eliminate the sense of leisureness at this pvd fest that people were so used to especially you know us people of color traditionally from these years at pvd fest that's what that's what we always saw so then also even maybe I know I saw uh breast smile leaving an interview kind of maybe bring up like the uh, the law enforcement issue, you know, I think it was even, even pertaining maybe to the budget where, like, maybe they might not be able to, you know, maybe afford to have as much law enforcement as usual, so maybe eliminating the block parties and stuff would make the fest safer and less police necessary, but then I, I know people felt, like, as if I saw in the comments where if you do these changes, let's say, like, oh, no open containers, they feel kind of maybe intimidated, like, as if, like, oh, so if I were to walk around With an open container, am I going to get arrested? Like, what is going on? Like, so you being uh, one of the producers and being a director of, you know, cultural arts at the city, what would I want to get your perspective and your actual take on, you know, adding to the transparency of this, like, what do you feel is necessarily the intention? Is it just purely um, budgets and planning and obviously a new regime coming in? brand-new mayor, brand-new everything, brand-new jobs, everything, people adjusting to that? Or was there a sense of, oh, this is a tr- strategical plan to maybe um, not whitewash, but just make it more proper because they didn't like how it was before? What's your take on everything that people have been saying in the tweets?
2: <sighs> My take has been... One of the things that's given me the most consternation um, that's made me the most upset, if I can speak candidly, has been the yeah. racial component of um, the vitriol, anger around PVD Fest. Um, I know that as a black man in this role, as an artist in this role, that I have no interest other than platforming and protecting artists. This festival is about our artists. I also know because I see the Excel spreadsheets that most of the talent being represented in this festival and presented in this festival are artists of color. So the idea of whitewashing the festival when you say the festival, I think of PVD Fest being a platform for the artists. Mm-hmm. Open container drinking was a component of PVD Fest, but it is not PVD Fest. Uh, PVD Fest is about a celebration of the creative capital in this city. I'm from New Orleans. And so believe me, we have a healthy relationship with open container drinking, okay? I'll tell you a funny story. My city many years ago, it's laughable. It's so funny. When I was a kid, they passed an ordinance because they wanted to try and curb back open container drinking. At Mardi Gras? In general. In general. We have drive through daiquiri shops. Yeah, that's true. People drive through a daiquiri shop. You can get a Riley's <laughs> burger and they drive next door and get a daiquiri. It's incredible. So they wanted to curb open container drinking because it was problematic. Yeah. You know, You know, so the way they curbed open container drinking was by when they handed you your daiquiri outside the window, they would give you the wrapped straw. They wouldn't stick it in the drink. Oh. So for them, because the straw was wrapped... That meant the container was closed. <laughs> My point about telling the story is that cities like New Orleans have a, um, a legacy, historical relationship with how they have um, alcohol in public spaces, and that's yeah. not something that is the same in a place like Providence. Like this, this idea of you know having open container. PVD Fest is the only festival in Providence that was allowed open container drinking. Yeah. And so any kind of association that the whitewashing of this festival that does, that is not, does not, does not bear true as far as who is included in this festival, I have a hard time grappling with that. Um, what I will also say is I found that um, I get people get angry and I know the change is hard and I get all, I get all of that. Um, I even understand um, even optically what it would mean for, say, moving our festival 500 yards you know, I think that we have um, a river that, ironically, for many, many generations was covered over by transportation infrastructure, right? It was a train track, you know, old I 95 old old highways and mm-hmm, stuff. But mm-hmm. the metaphor of train tracks and people who live on other sides of tracks, that still exists in Providence. It still exists in many of our communities. And no doubt, we have so much more work to do in terms of bridging those divides, right? But what I found also really interesting was um, the amount of not just the kind of the racial component, but I have to say the level of homophobia that was spewed around these changes because we have a gay mayor, a married gay man, you know, and, and of course these changes came out around Pride and people mm-hmm. were talking about, well, Pride has open containers. That's not true. Pride has never had open containers at any of its festivals. It's just not true. There is no event that has ever been an open container event except for PBD Fest. Um, And it was always a challenge every year. And it was a challenge. It was a challenge. And so- I didn't know that. We were trying to find ways to protect the festival, okay? To protect these artists, Mm -hmm. but to also just try and encourage people. There are other ways that we can go and try and get our drink on. There are other ways that we can go and engage with that. But anything that jeopardized this festival- to platform artists was a problem for this administration, and it was a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want this festival to suffer, um, suffer as a result of any decisions that we make that are not about supporting the artists, period. And um, and but but the, the 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 stuff that came out online about the attacks, and look, I'll tell the mayor when the mayor's right, I'll tell the mayor when the mayor's wrong. But I'm not just a black man; I'm a gay man, mm-hmm. and so watching that, I found to be it was difficult. And so people can disagree, people can be angry, but the amount of 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 a homophobic crap that was spewed online about this mayor or about because of an, because people being pissed off about a decision. That's when you lose the argument, yeah. right? And, and, and I think that most of, 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 I identify, I would, I I think I maybe can safely say that I probably identify with a large part of your audience in terms of my background and who I am and where I've come from. Yeah, definitely. But that made me feel a certain kind of way. And, and so in trying to create a sustainable festival, a festival that platforms people of color, all people in this city, it becomes very difficult to have a, a real honest conversation when you feel like, um people can't hear you because of how they may perceive your sexuality. So that was, that was, it was difficult. Um, It it was difficult. And so I hope it's, I hope it's a cautionary tale around how we're able to engage in conversation and honest debate, Um, but to just dispel the narrative once and for all. Pride has never been an open container event, period. There has never been an open container event except PVD Fest, period. Yeah, And so, um, it was just—I felt like it was important for me to say that because it, it touched yeah. me in a really deep way. Um, I can put up with a lot, and I, I have a pretty thick skin. Um, I've been in this business for thirty years. I, people saying a lot about me—you know—I've yeah, walked to a lot of auditions. <laughs> and people saying, yeah, yeah. "Joe, you're too short. Joe, you need to lose ten pounds." Mm. And look, I've seen. Look, I got a thick skin, but um, I found it especially difficult to sort of hear um, those particular comments as it related to um, this administration.
1: Yeah, listen, I respect it and I definitely understand it because, you know, to simply uh, compare events is understandable. Like, I've done myself just a comparison of events like, oh, this didn't happen there, but this didn't happen there. But then when people see that and then use that and then push it to a different level where they get disrespectful, homophobic, um, even, in like I said, like throughout my, you know, Posting of this, you see people finding out for the first time that he's the mayor. Oh, I didn't even know he's our mayor. And then find out that he's gay. He's <laughs> married. And then those homophobic people want to use that as an advantage for them to voice their opinion even more. Like, oh, I not like him. Even, I like him even less now because he's gay. And oh my God, yeah, this is why he's doing that. Oh, he, he only cares about the gays. And it's like, no, that's not the case at all. Like, you know, you guys are just you know miserable people, and you need to reevaluate your life. But I think also another thing that, especially hopefully going forward, the mayor's office and the city does is the transparency um, factor. Because even, for example, that stat, I didn't even know that um, P V D Fest was the only, you know, event that the city actually allowed the open containers in the first place ever, you know, o- o- uh, first and only. You know, so some, something of that nature where, you know, I didn't even know. I thought I I just assumed, you know, because you see, kind of maybe people at other festivals maybe drinking, maybe open container, you know,
2: you know what 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 people do, you know, (laughs) what people are packing in a knapsack is I can't speak to that, you know. I remember
1: when I was a kid, you go to the
2: movies and it's like you know you you know your parents (laughs) want a little sip of something, you pack a little sip of something, yeah, but. I'm also part of, um, one of the many things that my department does is we we permit every event in this city, Mm. whether it be a special event, whether you want to close off your street and have a bouncy house for your kid on their birthday, that's coming through my department. All the cultural festivals come through my department. All film comes through my department. And city service takes it very seriously. And and we have a great, great city service team. It's composed of fire, uh, police, uh, licensing, uh, parks department, depending on when the event is. And we take great pains to if there's going to be liquor at an event there have to be mechanisms to keep that booze within that footprint and so it it isn't even fair for all the other cultural heritage uh, events that we have in this town nobody has an open container um uh um uh right in this town PVD Fest was that only thing and so you know whether you're talking about all of our cultural festivals and or all the festivals that are in parks or all the festivals or even again if you're a private citizen and you want to block off a street, and you want to have booze at that event. We will ask you certain questions and have you put in certain mechanisms to make sure that that alcohol is confined to that area. That's a part of of, of our public of, of our um, a city service public safety process. It has been way before me, and and will continue to be. And so, yeah. you know, PVD Fest was indeed an outlier.
1: Yeah, well, that's amazing. No, and that's that's you know that's the full update when it pertains to PVD Fest and everything going on literally basically next week especially by the time a lot of people are checking this out so make your decisions you know i know a lot of people especially that were familiar with this platform had their opinions etc but nonetheless like joe said and we do have mutual friends uh still partaking you know shouts of flawless Flawless is one of our closest friends. We've done so much content with him on our YouTube channel, viral stuff all the time. He's gonna be uh, one of the headliners, basically. Absolutely,
2: right? three o'clock on Saturday.
1: Three o'clock on Saturday night. So you know, if you definitely want to check out uh, Flawless, he's gonna be there. So, and aside from that, you know, I definitely am grateful for getting to know people working in the city, such as a Joe Wilson Jr. and other people, such as Michaela and other people behind the scenes that actually are really their job is what people kind of judge and they think like things happen in a flip of the switch but these people live day and day and night literally working a team collaborating to fulfill actual changes and you know the contrary dark side of that situation is just that I am in a position that everyone else is not in. So they're not going to be able to, you know, rub the likes or just interact with these people or be as informed directly as I am. So, you know, hopefully going forward, even if it's through my platform, this platform, you know, we can create a sort of more mutual relationship where there is more transparency and people get informed properly. You know, let's say if there's a change to like a festival, etc., maybe the change is, is explained why, and this is going on, and this is, you know, we're changing it for this reason, et cetera, you know, or even just that, that idea of, like, you know, people were so pissed off about the open containers situation, but they might have not even actually appreciated it why they had it because of the fact that it was the only <laughs> legally protected open container event in the city's, you know, history, which was something that I didn't even know, you know, so then me being someone that had their opinions online, vocally, and speaking for the people, I wasn't even as informed, you know, properly, you know, and that's understandable, but now, hopefully, going forward, we can create a closer relationship, and I can also just allow people to, you know, just be informed more, because I, I genuinely think that's all it really comes down to is just the communication aspect, because people can still have their opinion, you know, you don't want to go still to the PBD Fest, don't go, but let's realize, you know, why they made these changes. We have someone here from the city, you know, talking about the situation, their perspective and their actual real deal. This is what happened behind the scenes. And then, you know, also, hopefully after the festival happens, we're going to be able to have, you know, Brett Smiley stop on by and have him, you know, maybe even compare it to the recent ones, give feedback, his actual feedback, and have him also maybe just talk to the people when it comes pertaining to this. Because I do think it's a very interesting situation how this blew up so big. Because now that I think about it more retrospectively, I think it's something that is not necessarily political. It's a PBD fest. It's not a... You know, a political campaign is a very neutral grounds, like, accepting of everyone. So I think that's why everyone f- felt the way they felt, right? And they were very vocal about it. Whereas typically it's something maybe political. You know, a lot of people, like you say all the time, you know, you don't like politics. A lot of people don't love politics. Politics is very, you know, either confusing or just is not—people uh, don't, don't care about it as much as they should or just don't give a fuck about it because it's not how they grew up, caring mm-hmm. about politics, mm-hmm. right? But PVD Fest was something that, you know, they connected politically to the mayor— but you would see people in the comments that literally voted for him commenting that they didn't like this so it was something unique to me where it's like oh okay this is a very universal situation like we have people that you know either loved him or hated him and still are just against this this uh, these changes and i hate the idea of like the the pvd fest even being touched so it was very very impactful and very unique you know for me so it was amazing uh to meet you, and very grateful for your time for stopping in. Hopefully people were able to get, you know, as close as possible of a bird's eye view, not bird's eye view, from the horse's mouth, the traditional, uh, you know, people love saying that statement. The man, one of the producers behind PBD Fest, yourself, and now people are able to know what's going on, make your decisions going forward, and like I told him off camera, and just in general, I feel like this is going to be something, no matter what, Whether you know this one has a great turnout or not, holistically, this is gonna be for the betterment of all. This is we're gonna. This might not be the best version of this festival yet. We probably have yet to seen that, right? So once this happens this year and then going forward we see you know feedback i feel like we're going to get the best version of pbd fest in the years to come so that's what i'm really more excited for because like you said it's about the arts it's about the people this is it literally has pbd a tie tied to the name so that's what's gonna make gonna make people so sensitive and like oh my god pbd fest why are they touching oh my god you know even people from out of town i saw tweets people were like that's all you guys had and you're changing it. Like what's going on? I'm like, all right, that's not all we have, buddy, but you know, <laughs> we have way more than that. But like to the ignorant minded, just surface level people, you know, that also reminded me like, damn, they knew about PVD fest. Even though they're saying that's all we had, at least you knew about us because of this festival. So that showed me again, like, damn, this shit really matters. Like, this is not just some like, okay, fun time in the summer. This is, has a significant value on the IP intellectual property of Providence and the branding of Providence. So, you know, it made me now take it even more serious and really care about it and really, um, you know, be proud to be from the city even more, but at the same time care about not just this event, but every event going forward now. Like, I really feel like it's almost my responsibility to pay attention to this type of stuff because the people care, you know, and it's not just one-sided of people. It's every spectrum that I saw feedback from, so... You know, I appreciate you coming through. You I know, appreciate a, you. And keeping it a 100, you know, and, you know, just being yourself. And, and yeah, man, I, I love it. You know, round of applause real quick for a Joe. You know, it was amazing. Hey, <laughs> thanks, Joe. <y'all. laughs> Thank you. I need stop <laughs> by the studio.
0: <laughs> they gonna love me for my ambition. ambition.